This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right. Welcome back to Real McKee and Bourne, joined by Sam McKee. Nick Kiprio still at home with laryngitis, maybe? I don't know. He seems under the weather. Yeah. Like, I, you know, Kipper used to work two days a week back in the hockey central days. Right. But now he loves it. And, like, he loves coming in here and he loves chopping he it does. up. And if he's missing two days in a row, the man is sick. He is. I'll promise well, you that. What I, what I will say that I do miss from the early days of doing this show with Kipper mm was we used to talk before doing the show. Oh, yeah. Now we're so afraid of having a good conversation <laughs> that we can't take to air. But the problem is, is that like, there's planning that goes into a show, mm-hmm. and we'll legitimately be like, what would you like? Save it! <laughs> can't talk about anything with Kipper now. But it's good. It's yeah. good. That means you guys at home get all of our good stuff. None of it's off the air. Yeah. Um, you know, we got uh, just a shout-out here. We got Derek Brandale. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and... Danielle today yes. Yes, we is joining us. No Jen Rolnick. So, Hi, Danielle. Uh, yeah, hello, hello. Um, Luke Fox going to join us at 320. David Amber at 345. And Andrew Raycroft to tee, help us tee up the biggest game of the season. So far. To date. So, yes. Nick Kiprios had an article, the Kipper himself, in the Toronto Star about today? how. No, not oh. today. <laughs> today. <laughs> He's writing from the sick man. <laughs> but he did have that article. That was like the only things that he cares about the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Tonight's games. It's against Boston, Tampa, the ones that he cares about. And here we go. So Yeah, I, I'd be lying if I, you know, it's big news in the world of sports this morning. That's Boston related. Oh. You know, Tom Brady retiring. Oh, did you see the video? I did. Yeah. I, you know, I am more of a Tom Brady guy, so I've, I've always liked Tom Brady. Um, you know, I appreciated his greatness. I didn't hate him as much as everybody else, as you, maybe a Jets fan would hate right. him. And I thought he looked pretty sincere. Yeah, I thought I, I thought too. I thought he came across as like he actually was emotional and he meant what he said. And I think he's so, actually done as for sure. He is yeah. as sincere as someone who no longer has a soul can be. I yeah, feel sure. like he's like that yeah. sort of rich and famous level where it got me thinking, though, man, like guys that. I have watched their entire careers. You know, and think of Ovi, who's never going to retire. He's just going to be playing until he's mm-hmm. 100, so he gets to however many goals. And Sid, it made me think of Sid more. Yeah. Where it's like, how many tops? Three years left of Sid? Four years left of Sid? Like, it's, yeah. it, we're getting there. And it, I'm not like thinking of my own, you know, mortality here or whatever, <laughs> but it's just like guys that you've grown up with yeah. are starting to retire. It's, I know there's older people that are listening that have gone through this, but for me, you know, I'm in my mid 30s and, you know, watching guys starting in my 20s it's happening to me i know maybe i'm just getting a little older and that's what happens but it's it's kind of a shocking thing it is a trip and i I don't know if we've done this on the air or not before but it is weird to be of an age you know i turned 40 in december you know where you see the entirety of a career of a hall of fame player and have some real sense for the context of it and yeah it does make you feel old reminds me of that tweet who's like you know uh, you know, I feel I'm 35 years old. I'm still young. Lots of life ahead. And it's like, oh, here comes the oldest athlete in the league. 32. What a miracle. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. He's still standing. Yeah. Like, wait a second. He's my age. Yeah. Anyways. Um, quick Tom Brady thoughts. Mm. So Tom Brady, I mean, best quarterback in NFL history. Probably, you know, the best player in the history of the league. Arguably one of the best American athletes of all time. Cross mm-hmm. sports. Yeah. For yet, sure. Probably probably number one with Jordan. Yet not all that athletic. So Do you know what I mean? Like I it's think, an interesting thing to be the greatest athlete, but not someone who I think 
could like you know execute an obstacle course with great <laughs> success. It's a bit, of a bit of a bag of milk when he started. Yeah. I think it's probably like athlete versus accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you're going to be like, who's a better sure. athlete, Lamar LeBron, Jackson, LeBron, or <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, or Tom Brady? I think it's a pretty easy conversation. But it's true. It's you know seven Super Bowls is. I will say it right now, and you know it's going to be a long time till anyone can prove me wrong. No one will ever come close to that. Yeah, Mahomes losing the Super Bowl to Brady was yes. a big swing yes. in his ability to catch him. Someone needs six more Super Bowls, more yeah. than anyone has ever had. They need that more to catch him. Yeah. So, anyway, so here is the question before, and I know we're going to yeah. talk about other stuff. Can you have success in the NHL not being athletic? Who is the most successful? Phil Castle. Okay, no, but he's apparently very athletic. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're all athletic in the NHL. But like Joe Thornton at the end, the last five years of his career, you wouldn't say Bufflin? that's an athlete. Bufflin? Sure. I mean, there's that famous picture. Have you seen that picture? Yeah, him of at him at, at like it is. I think it was Brent Seabrook's wedding. And he's standing beside Seabrook, who is like a big NHL guy. Right. And he looks like... He's just an actual fridge. <laughs> yeah. Bufflin is, So yeah. probably, I think my vote for that would be Kessel. All right. Okay, so... I want to say Garth Snow, sorry. <laughs> Garth Snow's a fair vote. It's just a giant goalie. Goalies are a good vote in yeah. general. So tonight we got the Bruins coming to town. Uh, some interviews today, some microphones in the face of one Brad Marchand. Marchand? <sighs> Marchand. Marchand. Mm-hmm. And boy, I mean, he Marchanded up. Marchanded up. He kind of owns some Toronto. So would you like to start with Dangle on Twitter or would you like to start with the off? He swung, he swung at our boy, Dangle. Yeah. Did he ever? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, Steve Dangle, great guy. I've go a long time back with him. Now we played in a, yes. a road hockey tournament. We were both very young together when I was an intern here. I'm team Spectacular Dangle. guy. Team Dangle. But boy, did he take a, that's a beating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have a chance to win against Marshawn because of who he is and his Twitter persona and his unwillingness to back down. Dangle basically called him out on being a jerk. Yeah, which was kind of being a jerk for sure, but that's Marshawn. Yeah. I want to have it on the record. I say nothing bad about you, Brad. <laughs> Brad, you're good in my books, buddy. <laughs> but he was, you know, Marshan rolled into town today on yeah. the back of a horse with two machine guns <laughs> and just started firing at bypass, you know, anyone in the vicinity. So let's listen to... Which one do you want to start with? Marshan, let's just say on the Leafs trash talk. Yeah, uh, I really haven't had a whole lot of chatter with, uh, with Bunting. Um, there's not really many guys that like to get into it. Mitch is out there talking about video games and his dog and <laughs> oh. those terrible new skates that he's got out. But, uh, yeah, other than that, um, it's not a whole lot of guys that like to get into it. Ah. Oh. <laughs> you know, Sam that doesn't clip look, you hits don't, me. You don't like that there's not guys for him to engage with. I, I don't think you have to have guys to engage there's not. It's not even the part that he said. In, it's not even in the engagement factor. It's him saying they don't like to get into it. Yeah. You know, like, you don't, you can not engage with him, but I would like you to get into it with yeah. him. You know, like, it's just, I know this is such a stupid thing to get bent out of shape about. It's just him saying some off-color remarks to the media when he knows he's in the center of the media world. And he obviously loves the sound of his own voice. Loves it. Like, it's very clear yeah. that Sportsnet, whoever's listening, maybe start talking to him now. Probably got four or five years left in his career. Maybe he might want to do something afterwards because yeah. it seems like he is a natural at this. Yeah, you got Charles Barkley yes. in wait there. It really does feel like he's yeah. going to be a really good TV guy after his career's done. Assuming he doesn't get himself canceled before then, which yeah. is possible. I mean, that, uh, the Vegas odds on that are like plus 
200. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that far out of the realm right. of possibility. Right. But, like, that, to me, sticks out. Like, do you think if he got asked that about Tampa Bay, he'd be like, hey, you know, who on you Tampa You don't think Bay, anyone wants to get into it with you and all of a sudden Bogosian punches well, no. you in the mouth? It's like if he's, we, in, if, I mean, if he's, in, once. if he's in Tampa Bay and they ask him this question, which they probably wouldn't, there isn't this kind of, you know, hyper-focused media in Tampa, but they're like, hey, who on Tampa likes to get into it with you? I can guarantee the list would be longer than no one. Yeah. You know? Like, I, he'd probably be like, yeah, you know, these guys like to talk trash. Sorelli will kind of give it to you. The, Kucherov isn't the best guy to play against. Like, there's guys. And for him right. to be like, yeah, no one really talks to me at all. That kind of rubs me <laughs> the wrong way, if I'm being honest. Well, he also followed up on uh, Mitch Marner. Talked to him a little bit here and there, and it's on the ice. I respect his game. I think he's an incredible player. and uh, That's usually what I tell him. just that he's my favorite player. And, um <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, I do. I think he's he's really, really good. And, um, you know, we're not playing him. I enjoy watching him. And, and the things that he does is really impressive. Um, you know, especially, like, he's he's not a big guy either. And, and he's not intimidated. Uh, you know, he, he goes in front of that. He goes in the corners. And um, so I actually really respect his game. So I don't get into it with him very often. Very often. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love that he's like, I just tell him he's my favorite player. Like, he wants us to know that he's like... I guarantee. So I had, I did a tweet about the first video about him talking about them chirping and the skates and all that. And I just said, that was a tough watch. Yeah. And multiple people sent me being like, well, see what else he said about Marner. See how much he appraised Marner. <laughs> and then you if hear you the listen way to he that said, clip said, and yeah. say he's praising Marner, yeah. then you have no idea what hockey chirping and what hockey no, is about. You're the because best, bud. He's like, yeah, you guarantee he lines up with him. He's like, Mitchie, you're my favorite player. Oh, you're just you're the my best. favorite player. Oh, I love watching you. You're Guarantee, so good. Like you know that, what? You're not afraid of anyone. No, he's like, you'll go into the corners with anyone, right, Mitch? <laughs> like, I can't listen to that clip and have one ounce of him praising him no, at all. There no. is no praise in that clip. Maybe, like, the respect him because he's smaller thing. They're both kind of smaller guys. Maybe that's what he's getting at. Yeah, he's just not intimidated but out there. He's listening like, to that clip I know. is a guy that has... Like, not a ton of respect, he's, I wouldn't say. He's having fun. He's For having sure. fun at the expense of the old... Uh, he's having a ton of fun. And listen, I... If I'm Brad Marchand, and I'm the way I am, coming into Toronto is my absolute Super Bowl. Yeah. This is such a thrill for him because he plays on a team that historically has owned the Leafs in the playoffs. And all yeah. the Leafs have been good against him in the regular season recently, but who cares? One and four against yeah. the Leafs last five games. I know. They, they really do play him well in the regular season, but... Historically, as everyone listening to the show knows, <laughs> has anything have, happened? Leafs have struggled with the Bruins in the playoffs. Yeah. So for him to come into a market where he knows that his team kind of owns the team, and they just he just gets to talk junk. Yeah, and, and he did, and he did, and then he went even further. I know. <laughs> Let's play the the last one on the Bruins salary structure. Do we have that? Why? You know, typically our team in the past has always uh, been, um, you know, guys have, have tried to take less to win because we know that it, uh, you know, at least through the lineup, if you can have six guys that make lower salary other than three, it's a lot harder to play against. Um, you know, and that's why we've been good for so long. <laughs> I mean, that's the a direct cut at the Leafs, the way the team is built, basically. So he went, like, Surface level, making fun of Marner skates, making fun of how they have a lack of chirping on the ice. Did we get to chirp the skates yeah, yeah, on he, there he, yesterday yeah, we did? Oh, okay. yeah, I chirped the skates. It was like the first thing I said yesterday yeah, on there. Good. So he chirps the skates, chirps their no chirping, gets on top of that. 
then he talks about how great a player Mitch Marner is. He's my favorite player. <laughs> and then he goes like at their philosophy. I know, <laughs> like, so true. Like, he's like, yeah. I'll get you up top and then a low blow just coming in. I'll, arguing I'll, with someone and they pull up something <laughs> about your like parents yes. from the past or something. And, and, yeah. he's, like, and he's like, and I'm going to tweet at the most popular fan and put him in a, you know, put him <laughs> down too. It's yeah. like, oh my God, man. So Simmons is playing tonight. For sure. And I think... You know, we talked about, we're going to have a clip here of, of uh, Keith talking about how they're going into the All-Star break here and how it's an easy spot for you your kind of to let your foot off the gas. If we're looking at uh, Marchand, I think it's pretty clear that he's not going to be taking this game lightly. No. That, that is an interesting point, too, about this game and, like, the ability to stay focused and care about it. He clearly cares about it. I actually think you have the advantage if you're on the road in this game. Absolutely. You're not already one foot on your vacation, mm-hmm. you know, like just about to go home and pack your bags or whatever. It's easier to stay focused. So let's listen to Sheldon Keefe on how he thinks they match up with the Bruins. Oh, just that you got to play 60 minutes, uh, finish the job, all those kind of things. Uh, but I also thought, you know, we, we showed that we can play and compete with them. And even when we're trailing in a game that we can come back, those are the kind of things. But, you know, when you're playing this team – you just look at them, you know, they are who they are just because they've been thriving in all facets of the game. Five on five, power play, penalty killing, goaltending, faceoffs, like they're they're top of the league in, in every facet. So there's no shifts off, there's no no plays off. It's actually funny because he spends the whole year being like San Jose's power play, yeah. best in the league. You know, you gotta look out for them. And then he plays a team who's tops in every category, and he's like, Yeah, they're just really good. They're really good at every single thing they do, they're yeah. excellent at. So um, their power plays actually hasn't been great recently. Saw that they eight goals in their last 52 attempts over their last 18 games. So okay. it's kind of been going the wrong way, but their penalty kill is still unbelievable. They've been the best over that time as well. So, Yeah, 86.2 in the year. Um, I'm <laughs> I just marveling at the least, how less interesting that clip was than Marshawn just throwing the whole <laughs> Leafs team under the bus. But it's true. What he said in there, the one point he said yeah. in there, it's the Leafs even through all the playoff losses and through all these games and the these cores versus these core, these games are so close. They are. Always. And they just can't get over the hump at the biggest time. Yeah. Right? You think of even the, I think the last time they played the Bruins or two times ago when they went up in game seven, they, I think they scored five game, goals in a game seven in Boston and still lost. Like they found every possible way to lose to this team. And in the back of their mind, like Marshawn knows, when it comes to, you know what, cutting time, mm-hmm. they have the edge. Yeah. Right? And that's why he says all this stuff. Yeah. But it is a fair point, too, about how, you know, it's not like they've gone up against them in the postseason and got swept every no. time. It's not like in the regular season they're like, they roll over. As, as I mentioned, the Leafs have beat them four of the last yeah. five times they played. Mm-hmm. They beat them earlier this season and lost one in They lost the last January. one uh, in Boston when yeah. Matthew scored that unbelievable goal to tie it when he, like, Hit the home run down to the yes, other zone and then yes, yes, yes. in tight up up top. So you, you have a weird memory with hockey stuff. Well, I mean, that, like I can't remember my email password, but <laughs> I'll tell you about the Wellwood Sundin Tucker power play all day if you'd like to hear about that. <laughs> no, if I don't. Okay. Um, Sheldon Keefe talked about how this is a nice game for them to have as their last one. A game like this is a nice one to have, and the last one of the break, it is natural, I'm sure. A lot of guys, whether it's them or their wives or girlfriends, have bags packed and all those types of things that they're ready to, to get going. With this one here, you cannot overlook 
Uh, so that in itself, I think, has been a little bit easier in that sense. And we've had two days to sort of build up to this. And obviously on Monday, we took a different type of approach where it was an optional skate, but just brought the guys in just to make sure we were focused and talk a little bit about this game that's ahead here to finish the, the break appropriately. Uh, you sure that they can't overlook this one? Oh, yeah, they can. I, I've i watched this team a lot, as you know. Yeah. And sure, they play up to their opponents, and when it's a big game, they they get up and they play good games against good teams. Yeah. I could absolutely see a laying of an egg tonight. You know, it's the last one. Like you said, you're on home ice. You know, you're flying out of Pearson to Cabo tomorrow morning. You got you, Zeus on a PJ yeah. to Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> on an alligator on a skate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are really thinking about the break. There's no way. It's human nature. Yeah. I think Keith can say as much as he wants to. And I think I love your point about being at home. There's much more of a letdown factor for them. Because, I mean, Boston's also going to play and go back home, figure things out, yeah. then do their break. I don't agree with him that you can't overlook this but one. I do. I think you can overlook this one big time. But I do agree that it's better that it's Boston Absolutely. and not you know, Montreal or oh, they know, would lose Montreal Columbus. Game regardless. Yeah, fair. Yeah. But it's a, it's a game where you're like, for the rest of this season to matter, for us to have a chase, they're 11 points behind the Bruins tonight. They lose tonight, they're cooked. And 11 I'm, points. I know. Feels they're, like the Leafs win every night. I know. And if they're 13 points back and there's only 30 games left, yeah. they're probably out of it. If it's nine... Yeah. You can at least talk yourself into it a little bit. And you're coming out of the break with two against Columbus. You got Chicago on the horizon. Yeah, they you got have Montreal. Soft, yeah. Con- like you have you have a chance for like to accumulate points coming out of the break. You refresh. It's a new quote unquote start of the season. You yeah. can convince yourself, but then thirteen, you ain't convincing yourself anything. No, I don't think so. So, you know, there is incentive going into tonight to be like, okay, this is this matters for our season to matter. Absolutely. By and the I, way, do I, you have a thermos that says if you ain't Crockin, you ain't rockin' on I it do, yeah. for croc shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I love Crocs. Okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> if I if it was socially acceptable, I would wear Crocs to work every single day. I wear Crocs all the time. I wear Crocs to hockey when it's snowing outside. I wear Crocs all the time. Didn't know that about me. I think I don't know. <laughs> like you've seen me, we've golfed together. I wear Crocs to and from the course. I'm a Croc guy. All right. Is that surprising? Gonna, everyone gets to see you and discover that you're a Croc guy in the same show. This has been really good. Okay, before we get to Luke Fox, we got one more uh, Sheldon Keefe quote. He talked a little bit about Rasmus Sandin, him and Lilligren. Mm-hmm. Uh, D parts. Yeah, let's, let's roll that first and we'll chat. Yeah, I think he's just learning to pick his spots really well, um, offensively and defensively. I think that's a big part. I think. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, with the young defenseman and, and I think Rasmus and, and Timothy, for that matter, uh, at times the game can be can be a little higher event both ways in terms of what you're giving up, in terms of what you're creating. Uh, sometimes you can create a great play on one end, but you're being a little bit too aggressive in the wrong spots that can open up the game a little bit the other way. Uh, I think as, you, as things stabilize, uh, you know, you, you see a little less of that. And I think that's what's happened with Rasmus. That's encouraging. Yeah, I like that he's talking him up. Yeah. Well, oh, <laughs> I see that look in your eye. Yeah. What, why? Why do you like that? I think if you really are thinking about an impact trade. Oh, boy. Listen, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I like Rasmus Sandin. I think he's got a really good future in the league. I think he's going to be a capable player for a long time. But, I mean, you got to give to get. 
if there was one guy off the current roster that I was going to be including in a blockbuster, I would be looking at him. Like, it's crazy that he's now surpassed Lilligren. I mean, Lilligren sur- surpassed him. Yeah. Huh? Why, why don't you ask our boy Luke Fox, who's oh. Luke, are you with us? I am, yeah. Hey, what, what do you think of Sam's theory that Sandine is a potential, if someone had to go, type of guy? Oh, wow. You want to trade Sandine? Well, we were, okay, we were just discussing. The thought had crossed my mind this morning that, you know, if you were considering a big upgrade on the back end, potentially, I'd see you look down the right side of your decor and you'd probably be pretty happy with what you have because, you know, Brody plays on the right side and Lilligren and Hall, you're pretty committed to those guys. If you're looking for a big upgrade, it might be on the left side. And Sandine plays the left side, and he probably has some value around the league. I was just kicking around the idea, Luke. Hot take alert. Uh, uh, honestly, yeah, you see, the hot take alert, but it depends what's coming back. And I, I honestly think this is the kind of year where you shouldn't be afraid to entertain something as bold as that because you ha- the window is very small. And if you want to win this year or next, presumably Sandine's best years, his most developed years, are still ahead. It's not this year. Like there, are, there are some shifts, and I love the guy. Mm-hmm. And I, me too. Both as both as a reporter who gets to talk to him because he, he he does have a great personality, but he also has like so many interesting raw skills in terms of his offensive capabilities, his vision. I love that he's not afraid of contact. But there are some shifts where he looks kind of frightening from a defensive standpoint when he gets caught in his own zone or. He might put his team in a in a bad spot, and it seems to come particularly against the big type of rugged type teams that they're going to see in the playoffs. Like I'm thinking about some of the games against the Rangers or the Bruins or some of those real powers or Tampa Bay, uh, perchance. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Like where, yeah, I, I just think you might have to sacrifice something from the future. To, to get something for now. I, I, I Like some people are saying they shouldn't put the first rounder in play and all this, and I, and I think they should. I think they should need to be bold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt that it's kind of this is the time, and, you know, just seeing what is in your own division, you obviously have to get aggressive. You know, when you look at it, do you feel like, you know, I, I've gone through it a number of times where they need to add, and I know you have too, um, thinking about the Leafs all the time. Is it forward for you, like a lot of the consensus on the Twitter sphere, or do you feel like what Sammy's talking about, like if you can get a Jacob Chikrin, is that better than getting a Timo Meyer? What you know, where is it best if you're going to make your big swing? Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and I've kind of flip flopped on it depending on how they're performing at the time or or what I'm looking at. Uh, I really thought it was defense at the beginning, just with. Jake Muzzin not being around and, you know, they never really replaced Labushkin. And I liked the element that he brought uh, at the end of last year. So originally I was really thinking defense. Um, and, and then Austin Matthews goes out of the lineup and you're like, man, you know, they, they do kind of need another forward. Like what, what if an injury happens to one of the big guns and it's not that far fresh, if, if they go, you know, what they want to do is go on a deep run. It's not far-fetched to imagine an injury to a big guy for a little bit of time. And you think, like, Tampa Bay was able to go rounds without Braden Point, but could the Leafs go round after round if they lost to Matthews or Tavares for a few weeks? I'm not so sure. And then you look at the trade market, and the names available at forward are so much more enticing. Like, even with Horvat right. off the board, you got a Ryan O'Reilly. 
you got Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer, and there there are a lot of names. I can't, it's hard to remember a recent trade deadline where there were so many forwards that you think could actually make an impact. And could this be a buyer's market? Uh, and then you know get someone who either plays second line left wing or get another center and just slot everyone down a little bit because the bottom six. And I, I'm sure Sammy, you know, I, I, I believe he said this before, it needs a desperate upgrade. Yes. So you either address that directly and go get a Barbashev or, or someone like that, like, you know, kind of more of a cheaper depth player, someone you don't presumably have to pay a first round pick, or you spend on a top six player and bump everyone down a, a notch. And that's how your top, uh, your bottom six gets better because yarn crock isn't in your top. Yeah. So you mentioned the buyer's market there, and I'm, you know, if you're looking around the league and you're Kyle Dubas, you're probably pretty happy with the price that got paid for Bo Horvat, right? Like that was not nearly as steep, I think, as maybe I thought it was going to be. Other people thought it was going to be maybe GMs around the league who probably know what the, the offers were out there. But that was a surprisingly low price for what I thought was the best guy available on the market. Yeah, I had him number one, too, in terms of forwards, for sure. Uh, I don't think it was a horrible price, just because that first rounder, like the island, an Islanders first rounder isn't equivalent to a Leafs first rounder or a Bruins first rounder or a Tampa first rounder or a Carolina right. first rounder, right? Yeah. Like, that, that becomes, you know, very late, almost a second rounder. The Islanders could be as high as 13 this year or you know, even even higher next year if it, if it ends up getting into the lottery stage. So that could be a, a more impactful player. Uh, but absolutely, I, and the other factor I think is maybe Vancouver felt the need to get this done because it was becoming such a, such a side story in that market. And then the longer they kept Horvat, the more they risked him getting injured. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just healthy scratch a guy for a month. So if, if you're playing your captain and for some reason he gets injured, all of a sudden that asset that brought back three pieces isn't available to you like that, that would be really frightening. For sure. So I, I kind of understand why they, they settled that early and they made the trade with the Islanders, like when you think it through. But I do think that there will be forwards available for reasonable prices. I think you're onto something there, Sam. We were saying uh, earlier today, it's just crazy that, you know, they could have traded JT Miller last year for, you know, probably something not too dissimilar for what they got for Horvat and yeesh, not a, not a thing now. Um, I would love to get your take on what it was like being around Brad Marchand Oh, my today. God. <laughs> so Buzzsaw. without even asking any questions, what happened down there today? <laughs> what what a beauty. Like, <laughs> honestly. He, he, no, honestly, he has such a sense of the moment and the Doesn't theater yeah. and the theater that goes around this. He knows exactly what building he's in. <laughs> it was, it, and it was really quite a, quite a scene because there were so, so many Bruins were available, like Bergeron, Pasternak, Taylor Hall. Um, I had a good chat with Lindholm and all these guys were just around and available. And it took forever for Marshawn to finish his optional morning skate. Like, I think he was out there picking up the pucks or something. He wanted and, you guys to himself. That's what yeah, he was he wanted, doing. He was like, I, make them wait. <laughs> so there was this, this, you know, a good cluster of, of cameras and reporters waiting and kind of like, you know, you wouldn't do that for everyone, right? Yeah. You will for Marshawn because you know he's going to say something. And he's already been on record saying some pretty interesting stuff about the Leafs 
uh, actually in Boston when, when they were there last. So, you know, the, the conversation started about chirping and then got into Leafs chirpers. And, you know, the fact that he, he's so savvy to the, what's going on around the league, what's going on social media, that he, you know, starts uh, ripping Marner's skates. And that, that just came out yesterday. I know. So he, like, he's very in tune with, with where he is and what he's saying. And he's slick with it, right? Like, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a great player, great player. I tell him, <laughs> that's what I tell him. I tell him he's my favorite player. <laughs> It, he's like a master at this, and he knows it'll rile up uh, the people down the hall, and it'll get you know guys like me excited because he's a player who actually says something. Uh, and and I, I wish honestly, you know, love him or hate him, some of the stuff he does probably crosses the line. But I think the league needs more of it because it creates conversation, it shows some personality, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't mind it one bit. No, and every single guy who chirps him about, you know, they don't like him. Their favorite team, if he was playing for them, every single one of them is their favorite player. Like, if he was a Toronto Maple Leaf fluke, he would be the most popular player in the history of the team. There's no doubt. Well, it's one thing Fair. to talk, but but he backs it up, right? He's an amazing hockey player. He, and, and two-way. Like, he kills penalties, and he's been on my Selkie, but not number one, but he's been on my Selkie ballot a number of times because I don't think he gets enough credit for his defensive play and all his antics kind of distract from how good of a hockey player is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he trains with like, imagine you trained with Sidney Crosby and we're trying to maintain that level every Mm -hmm. summer. Like that's who he trains with. And And McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah. That's the skin. I'm just looking at the 21 uh, NHL awards voting and heart trophy votes. The top five is McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, uh, Crosby and Marchand. Yeah. There you go. You know, a bunch of them train together. Like, it makes sense, right? Like, if that's who you're around on a daily basis in the summer, when you could be off slacking off, you know, having a little bit of fun. But if you're trying to keep pace with Sidney Crosby, like, it sets you up for success. So he can talk that way because he can back it up. Yeah, the Nova Scotia line is pretty good. Put those yeah. three guys together at the next Olympics. You got well, a pretty good you line. Fill in behind it with pretty much anyone, and you're going to win a couple of games. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, it's not too shabby. <laughs> So, you know, obviously a, a big game tonight in terms of the standings and the potential for chasing down the Bruins. Like, there's still 30 games to go. You win tonight, it's nine points. You know, you feel like if you add another guy or two, is there any hope here, Luke? What are your thoughts on where they sit in the standings and something to play for? Well, it's it's sports, and so you like to think anything can happen, but an 11-point lead in a league that, you know, hands out, loser points like candy it just it it just seems too far-fetched all right i, I mean i i you know you Which try to cre- <laughs> you try to create some intrigue but anything beyond a, a a tampa toronto round one just seems kind of beyond the, the imagination right now yeah. it, uh, there will be a battle for home ice i just don't know how much it matters i, I think if the Leafs are going to do this finally slay the dragon it kind of doesn't matter at this point because they've had chances on home ice they just have to do it no matter who it's against or where it is. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, no, because I'm just thinking back. They won game three there. They won. In Tampa? It, yeah, they won. They lost game six. I'm trying to think if they've won in Tampa. Tampa won, wins in Toronto. You're right. And as far as a home ice advantage, I wouldn't say Tampa Bay. Like, don't get me wrong. They've got a good barn. I've been there. they got some people that care. It isn't exactly the TD Garden. Right. You know, like it's not like no. it's that big of a difference when it comes to playing and having a home ice advantage. No, TD Garden, honestly, I don't, 
I don't know if you've ever taken in a game there. I Justin, will never step foot in that. I building. haven't. No, I would never oh, go there. Come it on. is it is something else. It is something else, especially when they get rolling. Like they get one goal, they get two goals, and there's a sense that they're they're mounting something. Yeah. Like like it has to. You know, you, you, Mike Babcock always said that the fans aren't part of the game. The players play the game. Doesn't matter. But come on, how could it not affect a well, player? Like you can feel you can feel it. Being Chicago in the building, when they were the playing Chelsea Dagger. Oh my god! I mean, when right. they were good, like Luongo still wakes up in a cold oh, yeah, sweat here and that's like, you're, on the da, other da, 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 and you're just like, oh, you, the, I know what you mean. Look, like the building feels like it's going to collapse yeah. on you. Yeah. Um, you know, just looking at a couple guys who they uh, still, you know, that are having good years and aren't signed in Samsonov and Bunting. You know, Camp is another guy. Are they going to be able to hang on to some of these guys that have become nice pieces that you know they're probably due for a raise? Yeah, you'd like to think some, probably not all. Uh, I think there will be certainly a desire on both sides to get the Bunting one done. Like Michael Bunting, you know, in, in talking to him, he's, he's really tried to, he tries to play his cards close to the vest. Like, you know, we'll, we'll just see how it goes, but he can't help himself. Like, he loves wearing that sweater. Scarborough guy, like, already took less on his first contract. But then you step back and you realize his age, even though he was a rookie last year, uh, this is his one chance to finally make some some money. Like, relatively speaking, he hasn't made any money, right, in the right. NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wouldn't blame him if he ended up walking. But I would also like to think Kyle Dubas learned a little bit from how things went with Zach Hyman, local guy, excellent role player excellent chemistry with your superstars that you want to build around your core guys. Uh, they're not always easy to replace. And he found one in Michael Bunting. Uh, I'm not saying he does everything Hyman does, but I mean, in terms of a guy that fits, that can produce, you know, he draws penalties, he does other things. He's mo- emotionally engaged. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to keep him. And I think if, if there is a path to get him, it's giving him more term, uh, in exchange for maybe a slightly lower cap hit, maybe overpaying in, in terms of years. Yeah. Uh, but, but I, yeah, what I did think sign for that one time. Was that like six years times 3 million per, was that what it was that he signed for that long one? Brandon Tanev. Brandon Tanev. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Around there. That was something that would interest me, but we, I guess you could say this, a similar uh, conversation with Hyman when he left, but if I'm bunting Luke, I'm looking around. I'm like, where the hell else am I going to get this? Like, when am I going to get to play with, you know, either Marner and Tavares or Matthews and Nylander? So you and me are different because I'm thinking, where am I going to get all the money I can here? Yeah, I know. But, like, <laughs> playing in triple. He, like, he doesn't come from wealth, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that that's going to – he's never you – know, you don't get the sense that that matters to him. Mm. But it's it, I, you have to wonder about that a little bit, right? Like – um, you know, no, I'm not trying to pit them against it, but the Nylander family is different than the Bunting family. No, it's put it that way. 100% fair. That's, yeah. that's not like a, a controversial thing to say, but then, you know, you'd be like, oh, it's great playing with Matthews and Marner. You're making all this less money. And it's like, uh, you know what? Playing with Johnny Gaudreau for six million bucks a year is probably fine, <laughs> yeah, too. Like, I can probably make it work. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's not, it's maybe it's just me projecting him, me wanting him to stay for less. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the David Camp one is, is interesting. I wonder if, you know, the Maple Leafs think Holmberg is, is a cheaper alternative. I mean, they love David Camp. Like, Keith absolutely loves him. And I think there's a path for him to stay. But 
there just seems to be a line that they won't cross on role players. The mm-hmm. same thing with Labushkin. They loved him, but it was like, oh, well, Buffalo wants to give you more. I, I guess it's not going to work. Yeah. And I wonder if, if they're getting to that stage with David Camp. We'll see. And David Camp probably gets way more shine in this market, uh, just like Mikheyev did, than he would have in another market. And I wonder if that helps his negotiating power. And then the Leafs just say, well, Holmberg is, yeah. you know, under club control and he's a little bit cheaper and we think he could do all the things camp did for us. Yeah, what's camp? Twenty seven, he's a UFA, he's gonna make four million dollars. Someone will give him four million to play but third he line center. But he no? doesn't he Three doesn't score. No, he doesn't at all. He what does he not score. Year, like the most you could see him getting up to is like two, two and a half. Like Matt no one's given David Camp four. Like I'm not like Kipper probably would say that they would, but I there's just I bet you he gets three and a half from someone else. No way. No, okay. No way. <laughs> He's good. All right, Luke. Well, we appreciate you uh, starting a fight with us. Yeah. And, um, yeah, enjoy the game tonight. Looking forward to hearing it, and we'll, uh, we'll have to get you back after the All-Star break. Yep, sounds good. Should be a good game tonight. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Luke. Okay. Um, no chance. Okay, let me... What, what do we got for age on camp? So, first off, Brandon Tanev's deal was six times three and a half million. It's just a lot. It's a long time. David Camp's twenty-eight. Yeah, he's not. And how many points does he have? Oh, not Nothing. any. But I was looking through some stats, and you and I are going to. He has sixteen points. You and I are going to do useful or useless later. Mm-hmm. And he's involved in stuff. He is. Have you? I saw. He's recently. their sixth most used forward. Yeah, they love him in the defensive zone. Yeah. He is the absolute. They just, they abuse him. Yeah, they, they, put, they put oh, him yeah. out there they're like, D-zone, exclusively. bad line yeah. against the best players. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's a joke on my beer league team. If you get put out in the defensive zone, it's like, oh, well, guess you're a camp tonight. <laughs> you <got laughs> camp. can't get out. So I, I understand his value, but like, to me, if you're going to get paid that, it can't be in a market that pays attention. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, it has to be, like, somewhere yeah, that values... You can't make that here. No. Like, there has to be... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good team that's in an irrelevant market. Uh, I don't know. Give me one off the top of my Seattle. head. Seattle. No, Seattle. are they relevant now? Yeah, I, don't, yeah. like, I don't think they would really dive into the defensive metrics and stuff. Maybe right. they're a newer market. But if you're signing in... Dallas. Perfect. That is a perfect place. Yeah. Dallas. They're a good team. Mm-hmm. He would help them a lot. in their bottom six. And then maybe they give them two and a half million bucks. Old... Johnny Bucko in Dallas is like, yeah, I do not care. Yeah. Like, it does not matter to it, me it at all. It's funny, the guy like him, because like 2.6, you're like, love him. 2.7, you're like, oh. But like, <laughs> I love him at, what's he make now? 1.6? 1. 1. Yeah, I like him at that. But yeah. anything above that, like, I'm sure he's useful, but you, this is where your pro, very useful. This is where your pro scouts come into, this is where they make their dough. Yeah. You say, Kyle will talk to whoever the head of pro scouting is for the Toronto Maple Leafs and be like, hey, man. I need you to fly around the country and find me my next David Camp because mm-hmm. I ain't paying my now David Camp over $2 million because right. he doesn't score nearly enough. If he scored five or six more goals per year, maybe you talk about it. He's great defensively, takes all the draws, takes the beatings, but like... Can you imagine the heel and turn? And it, I am David Camp guy. Like me and Bunk say he's our favorite Leaf. It's like yeah. one of our favorite jokes. I yeah. love him, yeah. but it's because he can't pay him. Imagine there's a Dubas heel turn and he just started to flip assets and he said, Camp... One and a half million. He's played 16 minutes a night. What could you get for David Kampf on the market? Oh, my God. Is Holmberg enough <laughs> no. to, to return assets? I saw Holmberg's uh, debut saying. in the top six the other night. I think they should, we should maybe just <laughs> pump the brakes. Let him have an off season of expecting to be in the NHL. Getting so, a little better. While we were talking about Mar- Marchand, I just pulled up his uh, hockey reference page because mm-hmm. it has uh, votes for awards. Yep. 
His last five of his last season, uh, six seasons, he has both Hart and Selkie Trophy votes. Yeah, he's a stud. He has ten years where he's received Selkie Trophy votes. Ten years where he's That's... been a guy. La- two years ago in twenty twenty one, he was a late bloomer though. Like yeah. he oh, was, yeah, he yeah. Did his his first All Star nods in his seventh season. And then he makes the all-star team five straight years. Yeah, well, sense. four, because there yeah. wasn't one in 16, 17, yeah. I don't think. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, no one needs to hear from me that Mar- Marshawn's a good player, but the numbers are staggering. He has a 100-point season. Like, Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. And I love him because he plays really well on the backhand. Got a great backhand. I always have a soft spot for backhand guys. He is and a he's, backhand guy. He's really that movie made when he literally broke Samsung's ankles or whatever he did to him. Broke his knee without contact on a penalty shot. Backhand top corner. Just I love that move. And he's really good at it. So I I, gotta change this love and sorry guys. How much money has he left on the board with his uh you know, friendly deals and contracts. Yeah, but that's why everyone loves him to death because he's not measured against his contract. But it is, well, they love him to death because he is measured against it. Yeah, 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 Yeah. exactly. JB, you would know, is there like something like do the players get on each other? Like, because I know baseball players, you know, it's it, you got to make the most money to lift everybody right. else up. So it's kind of weird that hockey players don't have that same attitude. You sometimes. know, the thing with Marchand is he's you know kind of posturing as he's done this great thing as like Bruins culture or whatever. Yeah. And maybe part of it was that Bergeron was earning whatever, but like he took that contract in 2016, right. Before he made all yeah. these all-star teams yeah. and hard trophy votes and yeah, whatever. probably a little sour. Yeah. And it's like McKinnon. And he's who, had tweets in the in the past about escrow and like yeah. all this stuff. Like it pisses him off. And like, for sure. But like he didn't do it out of like being a noble person. Like that's what no. he got what he could get then. Mm-hmm. He took a long contract because he thought this is what he was. And, and then he got really good. And then he's worth 10. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. We got to go to break. So yep. we go to our next guest. We'll uh, be back right after this. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Real Born and McKee. Real McKee and Born. I don't know what we are. The radio anymore. program. The, the, we're in the program. We're missing Kipper, but uh, enjoyed a nice chat with Luke Fox. We are now joined. By David Amber. Oh, I preempted. We're, we're not yet joined by David Amber. I worked at DA last night. Um, DA pulled a classic move. Are you with us, DA? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. I can. How's uh, how's sunny Florida, man? It is sunny. It's uh, It was a 180-degree turn here, right? It was, what, minus 20 in Toronto when I was leaving this morning, and it's like plus 29 here. So it's, oh. uh, it's, it's a little different. Do you have the sticks down there? Are you going to play golf? No, this is a work trip, Justin. Come on, you know me. I'm a, I'm wow. a consummate professional. You got a seven a.m. tea time. We've done lots of time, do you know? <laughs> I've been I've been working, working on my tan at this point, but, I'm, but I am working. That's great. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing we well. appreciate you joining us. Uh, I'm sure you got plenty to do down there. It's a uh, it's an interesting time. What uh, tell us about your your week down at All Star? Uh, you know what your role is going to be and what what it's typically been like. Because I've seen you doing some of these like walk and talks around the dressing room and. You do a great job. It would scare the hell out of me, though, because there seems to be a lot of, you know, it's, I don't know, there's no script. You're just talking to people as you go. <laughs> it's like doing our show, right? Um, I guess. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow should be fun. There's something called, you, you know, the NHL tries to do these things that make them more cater, you know, curated to the location they're in and right. make them special, unique to that 
to that hockey market. So what does Fort Lauderdale bring to mind? Of course, the beach, et cetera, surfing. So I'm going to actually be, uh, I guess we call it beachside tomorrow, interviewing the competitors in the splash shot event. Um, we're going to tape that tomorrow and it's going to run during Friday's skills event. And essentially it's like a dunk tank situation. It'll be a lot of fun where guys are shooting at targets. And if they hit the targets, there's going to be people dunked in tanks of water. I don't know all yeah. the specifics, but I think it's going to be, you know, the Kachuk brothers and Crosby and McKinnon are competing and the McCarr and Ren and a whole group. So it should be a lot of fun. That, that'll be tomorrow. And then Friday's the skills competition and Kevin BX and I will be, uh, you know, essentially on the benches and on the ice and sort of getting reaction from the different players who compete. And, you know, it's supposed to be just a showcase of the players and, and a fun time to show off. These guys aren't just robots, you know, 110%, God willing, things will work out. These are guys who have personalities, who have uh, opinion, not opinions, but just, you know, they can have fun. And I think that's our job is to just objectively go out there and, and have fun with these guys and let them sort of exhale a little bit because they're under incredible pressure during the season. And this is supposed to be a time to just embrace, you know, how well they've played and that they're one of the, the top players in the league and have some fun with it. So that's our goal. And, and hopefully it'll all work out really well. And um, I'm looking forward to it. So you said you don't have a lot of details, but it would be my job to add. Are they dunking each other, or is it like celebrities? Do you know that part of it? Is like is Sidney Crosby going I'll, to the dunk? Are tank? you going to be shirtless? Yeah. Is all yeah. I want to know. Wow. <laughs> no, no, I can answer the second part definitively. No, I will not. Oh, come full on. Full clothes on. Um, I don't. I, you know what? I actually, I'm not even trying to play queer. I actually don't know a lot of the details, and I, maybe they're still being hashed out. I have a hard time seeing, you know, Sid the kid getting dunked in. I agree. I mean, That's why I asked. <laughs> Drops it in an alligator I, tank. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what exactly is happening, but I know there's going to be. It's just going to be some fun. They're just trying to put a unique little spin on it, like they did last year in Vegas at the Bellagio with the fountains and everything else. And um, that'll be, you know, PK Subban and Kevin Weeks are going to be sort of doing the play-by-play of it, and and I'll be doing sort of the the uh, on-site uh, interviewing, you know, as the uh, event's taking place. So that'll be interesting and. Uh, you know, there is an added wrinkle here, and I think it is, it's generally pretty light time, and everyone's here to have a good time. But there is this sort of, I won't say dark cloud, but there's this interesting perspective of Bo Horvat now. He'll play his final, his yeah. actual final game with, with Pedersen tomorrow, as they'll be, or on, on Friday or Saturday, as they'll be teammates in the Pacific Division. And I'm wondering, let's say the Pacific Division and the Metropolitan Division end up in the final of the, uh, of the All-Star game. And, uh, and you know, yeah, Brock Nelson lined up against uh, against um, Bo Horvat, and they're soon to be teammates. I wonder if you know Bo might kind of give up a give a few giveaways to him to try and win him over. Turn. <laughs> here, here you go, friend. You know, peel off the sweater and score on his own net. <laughs> Isn't there like a million dollars at stake or something? Is there a thing to do that? Oh my god, that know. would be one. That would be an interesting twist. But I'm sure that'll be there'll be a lot of sort of questions about that. Dylan Larkin's going to be here, you know. Because of what's happened with Bo Horvat, I wonder if there's going to be some questions asked to Dylan Larkin about, you know, where he stands and if he's concerned at all maybe about uh, being moved before March 3rd. You know, David Pasternak. There are some other guys in the same circumstance. Um, you know, I don't think it's got anywhere close to the level we saw with Bo Horvat where the writing's been on the wall for six weeks. But there are some other sort of news stories 
uh, probably you know, circulating here. But it, by and large, it's a fun, light time. It's meant to be a, a decompressing time for the players, for the media, and certainly for the fans. And that's what this is about. It's a showcase for the fans. I know hockey traditionalists have not, you know, want nothing to do with this game or the spectacle, and I get that. There's no hitting. There's no intensity. There's no blocking shots. It's not real hockey. Having said that, it's just a, a chance for us to sort of sit back and just enjoy how good these guys are and they can showcase some of their skills. I, I yeah, Let me be the first to say, I love the skills comp. I think the skills comp is enjoyable. Yeah. I think it's really fun to see these guys, you know, do what they do. I, you know, I'm assuming they still do an accuracy and all these, all that stuff still plays. The only complaint I have is I just wish they would play a game of hockey. Like I wish it, <laughs> like the three on three. And I understand when they brought it in, it was sort of promoting the, um, promoting the new thing they do in overtime or whatever. But I would just like to see the all-star guys in hockey play a hockey game. That's my only complaint <laughs> about the all-star weekend. Can you fix that? DA? I'll, uh, I'll work on it. Thank I, you. um, I will give a memo to to uh, Gary and Bill and see what they have to say. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people feel that way, but I, I don't really think this is any, you know, the hockey all-star, you know, situations any different than the other sports. I mean, I don't know if you guys are NBA fans. I mean, there's no defense played. It's basically just a shooting competition. You know, they've scrapped the Pro Bowl in football because it's just, it's very hard when you're talking about a physical yeah. sport. Um, and they're not there, like, Imagine if guys did play a real hockey game and someone got injured, someone blocked a shot or whatever. Like, they just they don't want to run that risk. And quite frankly, you know, these guys are out having fun and they're, they're getting after it and they're out with their families and friends and a lot of them bring a whole entourage down to sort of have that weekend of decompression. And they're not in a great state, especially Saturday afternoon and three in the <laughs> afternoon to be playing. <laughs> and I didn't really, you know, as a young reporter, I covered the game, I think it was 2000 in Toronto. I think it was the first year of the then Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena. And I'm telling you, I got like, I think I got drunk interviewing the guys because they were breathing flaming alcohol on me the next, you know, the day before the game or the day of the yeah. game. I couldn't believe it. I'm not naming names, but it was it was a real eye opener for me. You know, I was a pretty young reporter at the time, and I was like, "Oh wow, these guys seem pretty hungover." To be playing <laughs> hey, guys, should so. have to do a the favorite contest for me would be the blood alcohol test day of at morning skate. <laughs> See, and the winner of this year's contest at still drunk yeah. is Alex Ovechkin. Um, yeah, there's, there's guys playing guilty for sure. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of it, and, and it's not that they're not trying, but it's just I think they see it for what it is, and and they did add, you know what they did stir in the million dollars, and these are very wealthy guys. You don't need the money, but they did stir in some way to try and incentivize the guys to, to give it their all. And you know what's funny? I think they kind of, I won't say half-assed, but I think they're, they're leisurely about it. But when you get to the final, and I've been on the bench a few times for this, you know, the guys are like, all right, we're here. We yeah. might as well win. Right. You know, like, we might as well win this thing where we've spent, we've dedicated the time. So the hockey will get a little tighter come, you know, the last period of the final. You're going to see guys actually play, you know, back jack, play a little defense, and guys will be on the bench a little bit, like, changing quicker, et cetera. So uh, that's the level of intensity we're going to get. It's never going to, you know, replicate playoff hockey where the Stanley Cup's on the line. Well, you mentioned the NBA, and they changed the whole format of the game. They went to the target score instead of the timed game, which is an interesting idea, and I think that could actually create something in – that hot like in the three on three be like ah it's first to six goals first to five goals or whatever and it just creates a little bit more urgency when it gets tight i don't know it it works in the nba because once they get close to that score at the end of the game they start getting a lot more 
intense. Yeah, well, you know how it is. You can't go play pond hockey no, with your buddies yeah. if it's close and, you know, you got you know you got to wrap it up. So, sorry, Diaz, you're down at the All-Star game, and I'm coming up with ideas how to change the All-Star <laughs> game. But it just, those, those, I love the target score idea, too. Anyways, continue. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, this is a time for everyone to show personality and have fun. And you meant, you know, you've been around it since 2000 now. I, I showed Sam a video of when my dad was with the Islanders and these guys, it's like 82 and they had like a random talent contest. John Tonelli's wearing an Elvis suit, you know, Clark Gillies is singing the gambler and, you know, like, you know, they the, talk about personality and showcasing it. How have you seen that element of it evolve over the years with players being comfortable displaying who they are? Yeah, it's been hit and miss, right? I mean, some guys are so guarded and, you know, it really might have to do with the market they play in and who they are. And it's maybe a little bit more difficult for them to just embrace, hey, this is all about having fun, you know? And they probably just feel this internal pressure all the time. You know, a guy like Connor McDavid, you know, he just, he wants to win so badly. And I think he has fun during the All-Star weekend, but he's still probably focused on, okay, my next game's Tuesday versus this team. And, you know, what are we going to do? I just think he's, he wants to win. That's what he cares about so, 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 so much. Other guys we've seen, right? Trevor Zekris will go out there and have fun. Alexander Ovechkin's ready to go and have some fun. There's guys that we've seen Patrick Kane in the past, P.K. Subban, Evgeny Malkin. We've seen guys do silly things, you know, uh, try and have fun in, in the shootout competition. We've seen goalies kind of act a little wild and crazy. So I hope to see some of that. And certainly it's encouraged. And I think, you know, <sighs> And we're to blame a little bit, the media, right? Because as soon as guys do step out and wear different suits and Marner skates suck. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'll have to say that in the area. We had the whole debate yesterday, right? And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't. I don't think anyone was putting him down. It just wasn't your style, right? Correct. Those are correct. Awful wheels. Uh, but I, I appreciate <laughs> his. Uh, I he's allowed to do it, you know. <laughs> yes. And I think we're moving in that direction. Young guys. I mean, these guys, the Marners, the Matthews. These guys have. Big personalities. They listen to a lot of different music. They watch a lot of different TV shows. They consume a lot of different media. Um, you know, they're a lot more like your average 22, 23-year-old than a lot of us mm-hmm. would, would know because we see them almost as robots. And, again, why I say the media is partly to blame is because we do kind of make them conform. We do put them into this box. I say that collectively. I think all of us would like to see, you know, some more uh, – some, some, some more personality. And we embrace the fact that a lot of players in the NFL and NBA seem very comfortable doing that. And I think that's something we have to move towards. But at the end of the day, this is entertainment. And I can tell you, you know, as someone who has two teenagers, they're much more inclined to relate to the players, you know, when they're, when they're you know, talking about pop culture things, when they're embracing sort of their own individualism. So I think that's really important as far as moving the game forward. And I hope we do see some of that this weekend. All right, DA, well, we'll let you go to enjoy the Florida sunshine. Enjoy yourself, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. Tee it high and let it fly, DA, okay? (laughs) Thanks, guys, for having me on. Where's Kipper? Is he sick again? Yeah, he's sick. You know what? I I, I swear I just saw him. heard you were coming on. I swear I just saw him on the beach about five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) There's a Kipper lookalike down here, I can tell you. I love it. (laughs) That's great. Well, thanks for coming on, DA. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, fellas, be well. I'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. All right, Sammy, we had a couple of... Ch- First off, uh, yeah. the All-Star game. I appreciate you going to bat for the All-Star game. I, I like the skills comp. I like the skills comp. I will comp. watch the skills comp. I will watch it, mm-hmm. but often there are times where I have to stop watching it. And so I hate that, like, cringe has become a thing, right? But, but like, I do get that feeling. Yeah. 
of like secondhand yeah. embarrassment, which I've heard called fontram before. Where you, I know Never it's like it's one. an urban dictionary word, really? fontram, where you're like, why does that person not know to be embarrassed? Okay, yeah. That's why I can never go to uh, a stand-up comedy night. Like, I could never go to, like... So an amateur. Like, if I, they're like, hey, let's go to Yuck Yucks. Nightmare. Really? Uh, if I go there and someone's bombing, I'll, like, sink oh. into the wall. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, not, not, it's not for me. <laughs> hey, let's continue. Um, yes, I totally understand yeah. that. But I do when I watch it because we encourage them to show personality. Yeah. We also kind of force it on them a little bit, and it's like, yeah, you, know, you got Patrick Kane doing the Superman thing right after Dwight Howard did it, and it's like, yeah, we're not that. I don't know. It's just, I feel like, ugh. Last year was legitimately unbelievable what Zegers did. When he oh, put the blindfold on. So it was, but it also wasn't a sh- shootout. I don't know what it was anymore. Like, it's not a shootout contest. Now we're putting in these goalies that aren't trying to stop the puck. So I agree with not putting in NHL goalies. Because if you're a GM and you're like, this guy's doing what tricks and he's going to try to stop it. Like that's to me okay. a nightmare as a gentleman. But get the local college goalie in there or whatever. Get you know what guy- it's got to be? E-bugs. The best yes. e-bug from the oh year my God. gets in. Get Gary on the horn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, of all the ideas, we got one that should, should take. Uh, you're 15 minutes maybe starting back up again. Yeah, good news. Matt Berlin, you're in again from the Edmonton <laughs> oh, yeah. Oilers. Don't, don't get Ten me. points to me for remembering his name, by the way. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> I covered the game that night. Oh, boy. No, so, like, I, I love the all-star skills mm-hmm. because, to me, it's still a chance to watch the guys Show their skills. Yes. And they don't necessarily get... Yeah, like you said, the Zegers thing was holy hell. Unbelievable. Yeah. But, like, him wearing an outfit is, you know, that's not going to appeal to people that... It's not for us. I know. I I literally wrote that article for Sportsnet this year. Was that the All-Star Game? Is not for us? Yeah, it's enjoyable for other people. It is. Not the people... The people who listen to, who are on YouTube right now, watching Real Kipper and Born at 4 o'clock on a Wednesday, it's not not for you. Probably not for you. Yeah. It's probably for the guys who check in once every week and, oh yeah, the Leafs are playing, I guess I'll watch it. It's for part-timers. This... Oh, by the way, people that are on the YouTube, I'm just looking through the comments, they're just arguing about who's a bigger market. They're listening, yelling about Winnipeg and Vancouver and all this stuff. It's like, great, not they're not even Winnipeg listening. is they're the not, answer to whatever not, the conversation is. Anything but Winnipeg. <laughs> um, yes, I was trying to think, God, I had like nine things I want to talk about. Okay. The surprise team, disappointing team. Oh, yes. Should, should we go through yeah, some of that it. stuff? Yeah, we got a little chance here. Let's do it. Okay. So... Start of the, you know, where we're at the all-star break. This is the only pause. Is it, by the way, is it a, the all-star break and the Leafs bye? Yes. That's why we have nine days. Nine days. So there's no hockey after tonight, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the NHL starts back up next Monday. Okay. But and the, the Leafs, Leafs aren't back till Friday. The Leafs aren't back till Friday when we get to tee up a home and home with the worst team in the league. Sick. Columbus Blue Jackets. So it's a, it's a real lull here. And the meaningful game lull it goes for a while. Like, they play, if I'm just pulling up the Leafs schedule here. Um, but boop, 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 Good boop. time to have your superstar leader, Matthews, have a uh, tweak. It really is. I'm just pulling up their schedule. Yeah, I just want to make sure I have it right, even though, like, I almost haven't memorized here. Yeah. So they come into the break with double blue jackets, Blackhawks. Double blue jackets. Double, double blue jackets, Blackhawks, Habs, Blackhawks. <laughs> come on. That's, their, that's what they come out of the break with. So, so here's the thing. You beat Boston tonight. You're, that's you're what I mean. winning four of those five, aren't you? I would hope. I would hope. I mean, I'd, let's just schedule the L to the Canadians on home ice on February 18th. <laughs> that's just, that's probably a lock on Saturday. And then their first. And Columbus to take them to OT once. So then their first big game is the 21st coming back against the Sabres, who have been hot and are flirt with the playoff spot. And that's in Buffalo. That's always a popular game there. Big one. So that's, that's a real game. Yeah. 
But yeah, like it's it's a real it's a quote unquote real long break here for the Leafs. They don't have a lot of meaningful games coming up until I guess they play and they play the Oilers in the first of March. So okay, so time for stretch. reflection. It yeah. is time for reflection on the NHL season so far. Leafs have played fifty one games. It'll be fifty two with thirty to go after this. Mm-hmm. Right now, give me a surprise team from the NHL. My number one surprising team. Yeah, Winnipeg. Ooh, yeah. Mostly because just didn't expect they'd be good. No, I mean we week into the season we buried them. We talked about Blake Wheeler being done yeah. and trading Shifley and blowing it up and Hellebuck and all this stuff, and they're really good. Two votes here for me. Uh, New Jersey Devils didn't think they'd be this good, but yeah. the biggest one, the Kraken. Yeah, I guess the Squids are pretty surprising. The squids are first in the Pacific right now. They were god awful last year. They added Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand, and now they're. To me, that's on a knife's edge. I agree with that statement. I look at that division, and I think Edmonton. Edmonton, my, I'm like moving passionately towards the Edmonton Oilers, maybe potentially being the Cup favorite out of that side. They, if I'm looking at the West, the team that would scare me the most would be the Oilers, yeah. Because I don't think anybody's any good. What a gross. Like really, like I mean, layout of a who are you really league? <laughs> who are you really afraid of? I guess Colorado. So Colorado gets healthy, and you go, okay, they're yes. still Colorado. They're still Colorado, but they're not what they were last year. No, you know, like their goaltending's not as good as it was last year. They, they lost Kadri. Like yeah. I know they still have excellent. They have they're they very have, very good. They have Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon and Rant and all those guys still play for them, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're probably going to be okay. But I think if second they were to, best player in the league, Kale McCarr. If they were to play in a series, I think it's a different series. You're not playing Mike Smith. You have the option of Jack Campbell. Say what you will about him. He's been better recently. And then you have Stu mm-hmm. Skinner, too. Like, you have a different... NHL cool. All-Star Stu Skinner. Yeah, you have a different... He's got an All-Star mustache, too. So, I I would say that they are probably... I'm looking at them as a favorite. And having said that, you talk about the Squids being... They have 63 points. I understand that they're in there, but that's tight. They go on a three- or four-game losing streak, and then everybody starts getting hot, like... Nothing is settled in the West. No, it and really I isn't. also think that when you're a team that doesn't have elite players, I think their top score for Seattle is like 75th in the league. I think it's Wenberg or Bjorkstrand or Sounds one of those right. names. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, no, it's the guy, that, isn't it Burakovsky? Isn't it the guy that got the offseason? Is, isn't that Bjorkstrand as well? I don't know. They, See, they, they this got, is exactly who we're talking about. It seems like all the same guy. To yeah, me. they're yeah. all a bunch of those guys. Yeah. So my point is that when games get tight and you need a game breaker and you don't have any game breakers, I think they're going to be so in tough. They're in first in the Pacific. But they are six points up on a playoff spot. Yeah, and the last playoff spot is being fought between Colorado and Calgary. So it's like they are not – nothing is settled for them. No. Like even close. Not even close. So I, I think they're surprising. I would say that they're a really good story. But that goaltending situation, like to me, there is a recipe for it to go sour for them. Yeah. You had Burakovsky, okay? by the way, yeah, leading so. the team, 48 games played. How many points? I'm going to say 38. 39. Okay. Everly has 38. Veneers has 36. Dunn is 36. So they just, McCann is 35. Gord is 32. Balanced. Yeah. Really deep. McCann. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> He's got 23 snipes. Uh, most disappointing team for you this year? I just want to throw dirt on him. So sends. Disappointing. Yeah. Every, I did a show in the summer. Yeah. After they were doing their Oh, they won the summer, didn't they? And I went on the, I'm like, they are not, I, we did it, me and Gunning did our uh, Atlantic division power rankings. And I'm like, they're going to be second last. They're like, their deep core is no good. Their goaltending's no good. And you should have seen the text line. Oh, really? Oh, 
buried. People were tweeting me, being like, yeah, they're going to be better than the Leafs. I was like, listen, say what you will about the Leafs. I'm like, Sens stink. Like, they are no good on the back end. And guess what? They are disappointing. They have not been good. They're second no. to third. Four one, straight wins, though. Yeah. Yeah, still not buying it. It's not going to matter. They're, Shout they're, out to my boy, Chris Jetty. Listen, he, uh, they are so, yeah, they're, I'm, uh, having said all this, uh, no. Okay, still out on them. Yeah. Um, my most disappointing team is the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know why? Mm. They weren't trying to be bad. No, they weren't. Chicago was trying to be yeah. bad, actively like moving pieces. Montreal's trying to be yeah. bad. Chicago signed Johnny Goodrow. No, Columbus just, signed. Or sorry, Columbus yeah. signed Johnny Goodrow. They gave Line A that deal. Like the the plan was not to stink. What's his name? Warensky got a contract. Like they are trying to be competitive. And they are the opposite of competitive. They, you know, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers are kind of junk, minus twenty yes. goal differential. Yeah, they're fifteen points better than the Blue Jackets in the in the Metro. Yeah, the, they're dead last in the league, tied with Chicago. And you look at and that; they weren't trying to be. Absolutely not. And that is a interesting landing spot for Bedard for me. Columbus. Yeah, it's not. I'll the take worst. it over Arizona. Yes, I'll take it over. Montreal. 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 Well, that's just for our Toronto yes. show's sake. For me. <laughs> don't need them. For my heart, because I, I love the kid. Last place for me is probably Anaheim. I yeah. can't, well, Arizona or Anaheim. But, like, I'm not watching the Ducks at 1030 play bad games against no. the Sharks. And I think Columbus is in a really relevant division where they're playing against relevant teams sure. that are, like, in the time eye. zone. Like, and... they're playing against the Rangers. They're playing against the, the Pens, the, the yeah. Caps, the Islanders. They're playing against relevant teams. So, yeah. for me, that actually is probably the ideal scenario. I would take... Blackhawks, though. Be a, I would take fun. Arizona over Montreal. Wow. Sorry, Connor. Bold. Sorry, um, Connor. We have a lot more of those to get oh, to. Yeah. We're going to talk about surprising player, disappointing team, cup faves. we got a whole bunch of other stuff uh, to go on. After this, we're going to be joined by Andrew Raycroft, retired NHL goaltender, uh, co-host of Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. We will talk to him in just a moment. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Real Kipper and Born. Today, Sammy McKee filling in for Mr. Kiprios. We are now joined by Andrew Raycroft, retired NHL goaltender, Nesson studio analyst, co-host of Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. How you doing today, Mr. Raycroft? Good afternoon. I'm wonderful. How are you guys making out? We're great. Yeah, today's a, a, I mean, a big day here in Toronto. We get to play the Boston Bruins. This is a, the, you know, basically everything everyone's waiting for here, basically saying no other opponent matters but the Bruins as a measuring stick. Tell us about uh, what's been going on with that Bruins team right now. Where are they at? Obviously uh, slumping a little bit with a few losses in a row, but I mean, incredible season so far. It it has been an incredible season and, and they've had a tough, a tough stretch. They, they had, they were Montreal. Then they went three and four in, in Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina. They blew they blew a lead with 40 seconds left against Florida, which really puts a, a chink in the in the road trip because that Sunday afternoon game was a real difficult game to play back-to-back while Carolina right. was licking their chops for them, and they just didn't play a very good game against a team that, that is really good. So, so, yeah, a little bit of – I'm not – I heard the word adversity being used, but I, I don't see it as adversity. I don't think a team that has only six losses on the year can have adversity yet. 
but but again, another tough matchup going into Toronto tonight. So uh, I don't know if you're keeping up on Twitter today, Andrew, but uh, Brad Marchand rode on his steed into town and was had his sword <laughs> and drawn, talking all this stuff to the media. He was going after Steve Dangle on Twitter. What a delight this guy, what a delight this guy is to cover on a day to day basis. No, he's the best. And honestly, he's a great person, like a really good guy. Um, when it comes to media, he is there and will understands the game, understands that he has to do his part, and he's a big leader. So for, for us that, that are asking him for interviews or asking him to do stuff, he always says yes and gets it done. And uh, I, think, I think he enjoys going into Canada. I think he enjoys Montreal and Toronto especially where, where he can – kind of crank things up a little bit. And, and, and tonight's game, it, it doesn't have the same feel as it did a couple weeks ago when Toronto came into the building here, the Saturday night, hockey night in Canada, in right. Boston. Yeah. This one's kind of like, all right, let's get the break. Let, let's, let's go. Let's get on our planes and get the Bahamas as soon as possible. I'm sure once it gets dropped, they're going to go pretty good. No Austin Matthews as well. So you're, you're losing a little bit of that vibe. So, I feel like Brad's just doing his part to, to get everybody excited, and he recognizes he wants to get his guys going after losing three games and having the break and maybe just get everybody attention a little bit. And, and there's no one better. There's no one better at chirping, and, and I wouldn't want to be uh, Mr. Dangle, I guess. I guess <laughs> yeah, no. One of those things that once you take one bullet, you probably don't want to fire back because you're just going to catch more. <laughs> yeah. no, not really yeah. a fun battle. <laughs> Um, no, you're not going to be the last one to shoot in that battle. You know that for a fact. 100%. It's just going to keep coming. Um, you know, we, we've been you know, trying to prepare for what it is that the Bruins have done so well this season that's made them the Bruins and, you know, where how they stack up against the Leafs. One of the areas they seem better than the Leafs is in the bottom six. Tell us a little bit about that group and how the Bruins use them um, to, to give them such success, such depth throughout the lineup. Yeah, and it has been a big success. And that's that's part of the issue, which is, is kind of sneaky right now. Thomas Nosek's out of the lineup, their fourth-line center. He's been out for the last five or six games. Mm. Jake DeBrusque out since the entire month. And then Trent Frederick left the game on Saturday. So you take three forwards out of your lineup, that depth piece that you've had such an advantage on has kind of gone out the window. And I think that is one of the issues the last week for this group as well is that depth has, has gone away because of a few of the injuries. So uh, it, they've, they've, what they've done so well on the bottom six is play with pace. They've all picked up their games from last season to Trent Frederick, Nick Foligno. They're all getting their spot quicker. Uh, they're getting on the forecheck. And what they've also done is, is been able to – play left wing or play right wing or move guys around in different situations with the centers in place, the Charlie Coyle, the Thomas Nostek, and build around those guys on the wing. So up until the last 10 days, they had a real big advantage that has gone out the door a little bit with the Nostek injury. So, Andrew, I got to ask you for some, some advice here because <laughs> Boston, cool. Boston's dealing with this Pasternak conversation here now where he's a free agent, he's having a career year. And to be honest, it's a. I'm looking into the future here in Toronto because next year, uh, Austin Matthews is after next is a free agent. Willie Nylander, both of them eligible to sign extensions this summer. I understand that, but what is the conversation? How are you guys handling this conversation? Because there's no way that you don't have to kind of look through this lens at all times. It's it's got to be a hard thing to handle. 
It, yeah, certainly the the start, the way they've played has has allowed the eyeballs to go elsewhere a little bit on that. But but like you said, it's it's always the second question, and just like this interview, it's like a few questions that okay, what about David Pasternak? <laughs> yeah. What are you hearing, or what's going on? And, Have you been asked for um, advice before? <laughs> Uh, not, it's a new no, angle. <laughs> and, and listen, when I when usually when someone asks me for advice, they real, recognize pretty quickly they shouldn't have asked for <laughs> advice, um, especially when it comes to hockey. But um, I I think no news is good news. I think it's been very quiet. Anytime the last month, Don's been asked or he, he's come out with a Zach signing. They did ask about passing. He, he he shot it down really quickly and not a lot of talk. So. It seems as though, listen, the Boston Bruins are doing absolutely everything they can to get it worked out. What I think, and, and I can see this happening in Toronto in the next 12 months, is these deals are now really big. And the salary cap makes things so much more difficult in how much they go back and forth on guarantee, or upfront money, back-end money, uh, bonuses, where this, when, it, when the money's going to really kick in. All these things over an eight-year deal that, is going to be north of $10 million, I think we can all assume now, the way David's playing, it just makes it really difficult. And, and all, the T, all the I's need to be dotted and the T's need to be crossed, and it just makes it difficult to get the deals done. It takes a while. So uh, that, that's the way I see it. Uh, the other thing I see with the same will be with Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander, free agency isn't real free agency. There's only a, a, a small amount of teams that these guys can end up going to if they really want to win. Mm-hmm. Because the teams point. that are winning are backed into salary cap issues. You can't you – know, David Pasternak's not going to be able to go and sign with the New York Rangers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. So it, it has the, – the, it changes the, the way these deals get done, and I think it just changes the negotiation in that you don't really have to force it because at the end of the day – there's only a couple teams that David can go to, and does he really want to go to Arizona and play in front of 3,000 people? I don't think so. So, and another conversation, Marshawn alluded to this today, was them talking about sort of their internal culture where it's always been guys have kind of taken less, and I guess you can kind of buck that trend when uh, Charlie McAvoy signed his contract, but I wonder how much of the contract negotiation is part of that with Don Sweet when he's going and talking to him. He's like, let's see, you got Brad making this, you know, Patrice took this. I'm sure that's a part of the conversation as well. And even amongst the guys, they probably talk about that. Yeah. And and listen, I was part of that. I've been with this Bruins organization before and doing contract negotiations. And I know exactly it's still the, the Ray Bork salary cap uh, was in place back then. Now it's the Patrice Bergeron and Charlie broke through that ceiling but, but there's no question these guys have set a culture, and, and this is all David knows. And um, he's, he's been on record of saying that even the deal he's on right now, it doesn't bother him. He doesn't have that kind of an ego, and he, he doesn't come from a place where that was important to him. But we all know it is deep down on certain levels. You want to get what you're worth, and you look around the league, and, and you say, I'm worth this compared to this guy. But there is, there is an underlying current of that culture here in Boston. When Patrice is still here and you're having lunch with Patrice and Brad, it's tough to start complaining about a million dollars here and there. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting. That is a, it is a thing. Um, but again, at the end of the day, I think we also know that because of the McAvoy ceiling being changed, that it, it isn't quite the same old, well, Ray Bork's getting paid this and no one's getting more than that. And that's the deal. Right. 
So, like, you know, the you look at the Bruins and they're number one PK in the league. Their power play is sixth. They they score. They defend. Their goaltending is great. You know, give us some hope here, Razor. Like, are there any cracks in the armory? So let's say they are you lose. Speaking for me, thank yeah, you. So I appreciate. Let, it. Let's say they lose in round one. What didn't go right for them? Where are some places that this Bruins team needs to shore up? Well, you always go to injury. That that's and right. Listen, how good is the Eastern Conference? Right. Stacked. The, so the the it's going to be so hard to get out of the first round, and, and everybody that's played, everyone that's watched for a long time, you know how hard the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is, and, and this will be even harder in the Eastern Conference. Um, but the Bruins are going to need more depth. They're going to have to stay healthy, and then you you as great as Linus has been, he, he hasn't doesn't have a consummate trophy like Andre Vasilevsky. He doesn't have any Stanley Cup rings, so. Is, is he going to be the one to carry the mail the whole series? Is Jeremy Swayman going to jump in there? So as great as the goaltending is, you still have a little unsurety come playoff time with those guys. And, and then, again, I think you just go back to depth and injuries. That's, that's, and, and just how hard the Eastern Conference is. Toronto, listen, we've seen both games that these two teams have played. They have a bunch of game breakers on both sides of the ice. Even the series prior to COVID, when the Leafs had a lead in game six at home early in the first period to close them out. So it, it's close. And, and I think that's, at the end of the day, these guys, that the Bruins know that. The players know that. Brad said it today. He said it yesterday. Like, we know we haven't done anything. And we know it's all about April, no matter how good we are right now. And, and I think that's, that's the mindset that, that all of these Eastern Conference teams have to have because it's just going to be absolutely bananas on April 15th. Yeah, and I think speaking uh, from, as a lifelong Leaf fan, the heartbreaking part with the Boston Bruins is that it hasn't been blowouts in terms of the playoff series. And, I mean, we can talk about what happened in 2013, but that's a different, that's a different lifetime ago versus this core. But, like, it's just always been such a tight thing. The Leafs have had success in the regular season. That's what makes us so agonizing for Leaf fans versus Boston. That's what you're kind of alluding to, Razor. It's just it's a very, very tight season and playoff series. It's always close. It, it is. And, and that's, you know, yeah, so, so it comes down to an injury. I think the, that is the one thing the Bruins have is, is the leadership will not give an inch. Yeah. They are as competitive as any group. So you're not going to win that. You can match the competitive. You're not going to be, you're not going to outwork them despite being up in a series on them. And you're not going to outcompete them no matter what the series is. And, and I think they know that. And that's their confidence comes from because they know they're not going to be outmatched. They might be matched, but they're not going to be outmatched in those two areas. For sure. All right, well, we'll let you go, Andrew. We appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us today, man. Thanks, man. You got it, gang. Enjoy the night and uh, stay warm if, if the weather's coming in. <laughs> yeah, oh, all right, freezing. buddy. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Andrew Raycroft, former Bruins goaltender. <sighs> I was going to admit the bad things I said about him when I was younger, but I decided not to. <laughs> you know, I think that's the right call. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he has become a, a wonderful guest on yeah. our show. Yeah. And really depressing for me that it's like where are some weaknesses on this team and he's like they could get hurt like maybe somebody gets hurt <laughs> maybe their Vesna goalie turns to a pumpkin if they roll a collective ankle they and might be beatable he nailed it in his last answer there talking about the leadership of that team mm -hmm. just not giving an inch yeah like and, they, and also knowing that you're you're never outgunned you just gotta you can 
it's not, I'm not going to say that the least don't care. That's not what I'm saying. No. But you can't care more than Patrice Bergeron. Like, it's, I, I don't know how to quantify it, but like, he just care and him and Marshawn, well, it's just they're so, they, he nailed it, competitive. The they're difference, so competitive. The difference with a guy like Bergeron is he cares about doing the exact right thing mm-hmm. that you're supposed to do. Bingo. Versus being, you know, some of the Leafs' amazing players, they're more, they're, they're artists. Yeah. You know, they're painting these beautiful yes. pictures and whatever, and Bergeron's just like in your face, like stick, position, stick, yes. making like, it hard. Like, Mr. Perfect, goal, <laughs> yeah. pass, defense, everything. You know? Everything you can. Yeah, it's right. so true, man. God. So I was going through, actually, this is a nice little segue. He's a dream killer. <clears throat> He's a bit of a dream I've, killer. I know that, and like, listen, we talk about this core with such, you know, we think about them as such, you know, so accomplished. They won one cup like 12 years ago. Yeah. Right? Well, like, listen, so this is my account. Yeah, you're right. They they won a cup, and I would give anything for one cup. And many, one before I go. Many playoff runs. Absolutely. They've had they've gone to the final. They lost in lost agonizing to fashion. The Blues, to, yeah. No, to the oh, to the Blues too. Yeah, and the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks was even worse. Dave Boland two, scored a goal. Like right. they were up, I think they were up 2 1 with like a minute left, and they scored two goals really quick, and they lost in game six. And bo- See, I remember this stupid stuff. Anyways. You remember everything Bolin did because yes. of what came next. Yeah, they came to the Leafs. And I st- I'm not going to go down this road, but I still think he would have had a way better Leaf career if he didn't get his leg cut in yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Um, but I was going to make that point because I knew coming onto the show we were going to have a bunch of Bruins praise because yep. they have been very good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, last year they lose in game seven to the mm-hmm. Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And the year before that, they lose to the New York Islanders. And the year before that, you know, mind you, in the second was round. That, was, it, was that the first round? No. <laughs> so first round last year, but then second round Islanders. Second or third round, depending on what you call it, during the pandemic yeah. year. They lose to Tampa Bay. They lose to the Blues the year before that. So they've lost the fourth round, third round, second round, first round. I, I, they're said, beatable is my point. Absolutely they're beatable. They're beatable because they've won one Stanley Cup and they beat the, the Vancouver Canucks, which, if I'm being honest with something, I, oh. che- I cheered for the Bruins in that final. Well, the only way I want the cup a weird back- Toronto Vancouver. The thing. only way I want the cup coming back to Canada is down Young Street, baby. I don't, I don't want <laughs> you know Edmonton or any of those other teams. Ottawa's not going to do like, it. Like, oh, you. you're going to cheer for another Canadian team when they get in the. It is uh, the dumbest no. thing. You know what though? It's also a straw man because. No one really thinks that other Canadians want other Canadian cities to win it. And then you'll get like the prime minister will be like, we're just here to support Canada. And no. was like, shut up. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. He does not speak for us. Yeah, that's not the case at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I wanted to give you some of my useful or useless. Mm-hmm. Is it a good time for Let's you? Do Let's do it. Let's do it. We, oh, I have a special treat in the last five minutes of the show. Oh, yes. I've asked uh, my very good friend, Ben Ennis. Of uh, fan drive time fame, who it's doing an old school radio thing, a little crossover. We're gonna do a talk outdoor rinks. He's making an outdoor rink, and I'm just dying to know the progress. So I'm gonna have him in to talk. I love that. Okay. I love that. It's totally random. Good. Okay, um, I'm gonna give you some stats that I found on Sport Logic, and you react to them. Okay. Austin Matthews is first in the NHL in cycle chances. So basically, cycle chances are just anytime you have established ozone possession, your team has it, finding a way to create a. a a chance mm-hmm. against a, a set defense. Does that surprise you that he's first in the NHL? No, I think that has a lot to do with his line mates. I love that take. Right? Because Bunting digs out pucks, uh, Willie, Willie shoot it. flying around the zone, uh, Matthews himself below the dots, 
like he loves to be on the boards, come out in front. To me, he pulls pucks away from yeah. people. Well, loves that wraparound move where he's down below the goal line. Like, say, I, I always picture him as sort of a box to box midfielder in soccer, mm. and I love soccer and big soccer fan. Yeah, and the way that he starts, you're just a sports guy. Do you oh, know I'm a sports fan. Go sports. Except tennis. <laughs> Except tennis, of course. Really? Yeah. Oh. You've seen one match. You've seen them all. Um, what? It's true. Okay. Uh, the ball's going back and forth. Doesn't it? Nothing's going to change. Anyways, um, he starts it, finishes it. Mm-hmm. There's not many guys in the world that do it at the level that Austin Matthews does in both ends. And that cycle chance to me is just one that, you know, a lot of the skills that he uses in the defensive zone, lifting sticks, stripping pucks, you know, being below the dots, he does the exact same thing in the offensive zone. Interesting that you and mentioned just shoots that. it in the net. So I'm just going to skip around my article because you're referencing some things okay, that are interesting. Do it. Do it. So, um, you know, there's 32 teams times 12 forwards. Mm-hmm. Big number of forwards in the NHL is the yes. point. Um, Willie Nylander, or sorry, I'll say, Austin Matthews is 12th in the NHL in rush chances. So you're talking about bringing it box to box, one end to the Willie other. Willie Nylander is 12th? No, no. Uh, Matthews oh, is 12th. Matthew, yes. Where do you think Willie is? Higher. He's right there. He's 14th. He's 14th? Yeah. Okay. Well, that just, they help each other out to me. Yeah. When they play together, like, I really picture them early in their careers. Yeah. Because they've had a time where they haven't played together a lot. Like, Matthews and Marner has been a thing. But when they're at their best, it's Matthews digging it out in the middle of the ice in the defensive zone, hitting Willie on the half wall. Yeah. Matthews head down, full head of steam. Willie off the sideboards to him streaking. So I want to give I you some that. of the names that are involved in some of these stats, and I didn't do it with the first one, but I'll, I'll get to that. But the top five in some of these categories I think is always fascinating. Okay. So the top five in cycle chances, I'll just jump back to that. Um, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Kyle Connors. Mr. Perfect. Shock. Steve, Steven Stamkos. Kyle Connor surprises me. Me too. And David Pasternak. So cycle chances. Those are all... Pasternak is top 15 top five again? everything in the NHL. Patrice Bergeron, number one. Connor, uh, no, Matthews is one. And, and then it's Bergeron, Connor, Stamkos, Pasternak. Hmm. So a lot of those are, I think Kyle Connor would be a benefactor of, of his line guys. mates. 100%. Where He's, Patrice Bergeron would be the one creating that. I would think? think I would think so too. That makes a lot of sense What about Pasternak? I guess you'd kind of be a combo of that. But Pasternak's really- in every single pack of stats as like really? a top guy he is having an unbelievably dominant year what a great time for that for his pocketbook i know no kidding so uh first in the nhl sorry about the rush chances first in the nhl is uh mcdavid by double digits yeah he's got 80 rush chances the next best is jack hughes with like 68 or something 80 like total that. yeah well 80 like ch- clean chances off a rush at even strength i know how many games seems way light for sure. I mean, I, I think he's probably had three rushes a game, but to actually generate a chance off it? Yeah, a good I question about that. To me, some of these stats, like, and I love this stuff, is yeah. it's a lot of it's in the behind, eye of the beholder. You also got to consider if, if he passes on a two-on-one, mm-hmm. not, a, not a rush chance for him. Yeah, it is. is that the case? Well, of course it is. He's for me, created, it is. Yes. So he's I think, created a chance. I, but... I think we're talking about something different there. So for that, it would be him trying to score off the rush. Right. And he, I think at his core, he's more of a playmaker than he is a scorer. Yeah. Even though he's going to score 60 goals, which, I mean, that maybe that just talks about how ridiculously good he is. So dominant. But it feels like there's a lot of times where he's passed off. Like, I think of them on the power play, and he's, you know, Mick power play. I think he yeah. leads the world since he's coming to the league in power play points. Yeah. But he really does 
pass defer a lot on the power play. So anyways, he does. I like so, that. All right. So you talked about Matthews. We did cycle chances. Yeah. He's up there in rush chances. I'm getting all the Matthews ones out of the way first. I've talked about this on the show before. Defensive plays. Yeah. De- where Touches or plays? Uh, defensive plays. So it's a combination of shot blocks, uh-huh. pass blocks, uh-huh. stick checks, um, like all these like physical ways, puck, mm-hmm. loose puck recoveries, stuff like that. Second in the NHL is Patrice Bergeron, once again. Third is Mr. Philip Perfect. Deneau, the guy who shut down Matthews years ago. Matthews is first in the NHL in defensive plays. So Bergeron's total is 230. Matthews is 300. He's Man. 70 better than Bergeron in terms of defensive plays. He is far and away the most active defensive plays among forwards in the NHL. That is valuable. 15th in the <laughs> NHL, David Kampf. Really? Yeah. So what's the top five? So I only, I didn't oh, okay. add the top five here, but, but Bergeron and Deneau were two and three. But it's like Kopitar, Barca. It's exactly who you think it is. So that, to me, I, w- I really hope Matthew's agent isn't listening. Oh, yeah. Because, good Lord. Interesting to have a conversation about Selkie guys. Like, if he's that involved defensively, yeah, but he's he, not a PK guy. Does he have... He's got great defense. But no, but like, does he have votes for the Selkie? Great question. I honestly feel like it's never, like, people have had that conversation a little I bit. I voted for him. I gave him a fifth place vote last year, now that I think about it. But Boston Matthews hockey reference. Let's to that. me, even strength defense as a center and as a 60-goal scorer is far more impressive than being a decent penalty killer. I agree with that. Because I think penalty killing is more of an effort thing and, you know, grunt thing, where being that good defensively is a skill. Yeah. Like to make 300 defensive plays to this point of the season through 50 games. That's six times a that's, night. That's, he's that's obviously hard. Away wor- that's obviously hard work. Yeah. But it's also a skill. Like that is a, that is an elite skill. So here is uh, maybe my favorite ones to share. What order do I want to share these in? Mm. Okay. John Tavares. I'll share them together. Okay. John Tavares is third in the NHL in four check chances. So stopping the other team's breakout and turning it quickly into a chance for his team, third in the NHL, because get this. Really? John Tavares is first in the NHL in successful loose puck recoveries. Dog and a bone. So when you get in a 50-50 puck battle, Tavares is more likely to win it than anyone in the league. That's that's a big boy stat. That's a big boy stat. I almost said another big stat. (laughs) (laughs) I had to go with boy. Honestly, that is, I would be... You know who's who else is in the top five? Matthews. Ber- yes. Bergeron. Yep. Uh, Kopitar. Kopitar. It's just all <laughs> these guys. God, Kopitar's had an underrated career. And actually, so uh, also right there in terms of uh, of that is actually Sean Monaghan from Montreal. He's in the mix. Really? Yeah. He wins four, a lot of his puck battles. Well, how many times do you watch... Is that even strength or is that all strength? Even strength. Interesting. I was going to say, if you included power play on that, Tavares would probably even be higher. Yeah. Because there's so many times in front of the net where he wins it and he puts one in the net or along the sideboards where he puts it, wins a battle, gets it back to the point. Mm-hmm. Like he really does have that. He comes I'm, away I'm, with I'm it I'm not going to compare him to Sidney Crosby, but he does. I think it's an excellent comparison have, in this case. He does have that superstar grinder mentality. It's a, it's a rare, you're right. It's They have a low center of gravity and they're heavy sticks. Yeah. and they, Yeah. It just feels like anybody in that stat proves it. If you go into a puck battle with them, you likely lose. He's yeah. strong, low center of gravity, big arms. And good he likes stick. offense. He doesn't want to go play defense. No, he's cookie guy. Yeah, he so he wants cookies. to get that puck yeah, so he gets to I play that yeah. way. Yep, which is it. fine. That's a really great stat. I know. Send uh, that one to his agent. 
TJ Brody is the seventh best defenseman in the NHL at D zone denial. Yes. So if someone's coming down his side trying to enter the zone with puck possession, he makes them get rid of it, whether he turns it over, forces a dump, whatever. He, Do you have who's best at that? Uh, I can find it fairly quickly, but I didn't. Uh, uh, no. The only other thing I wrote is that Justin Hall is involved in that. He's like 18th or something. He's pretty good, too. Wow. So. Oh, uh, Jacob Slavin. His first name. Yeah, he's. Yeah. But isn't he like Mr. Underrated? Oh, yeah. Everyone's like he's, he's the most underrated Barkov, guy. but D, yeah, essentially. Yeah, 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 he's Mr. Underrated. That's. TJ Brody is the Leafs' most important defense man. And I know Love Kipper talks team. about how they need to have Morgan Riley feeling good and he probably is going to play the most minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you ain't going anywhere in the playoffs if TJ Brody's been hurt like he has been. Like he, to them, isn't like that's huge. He makes Mitch Marner, yeah, well, or sorry, he makes Morgan Riley better and gets in the puck and then plays, on the, right, the other plays way. on the right side. Yeah. Even though he's a lefty, that's incredibly important to this team. So, so valuable. That's crazy. The least shocking. Stat probably that I'm going to give you. Mitch okay. Marner is what in and in, in slot passes and passing the puck to the slot first. In the, yes, he's yeah. the best player in the NHL. The players behind him, maybe you've heard of these names. Bergeron, uh, no. Okay, McDavid, uh, yes. Yeah, McDavid. Connor McDavid's two. Uh, Kucherov is three. Mm-hmm. Panarin is four. I don't know why I didn't put five, but McDavid, <laughs> Kucherov, Panarin. So it's, you know, two, the three best of the best winners in yeah. hockey to me. And then McDavid. Yeah. But one thing that did surprise me is no Leafs players are in the top 15 in average ozone possession time per game. The top uh, names there are McDavid, Barzal, Barzal, struggling today, Panarin, McKinnon, and Dreisaitl. So all of those, those are all even strength too for the pass to the slot. Yeah. Because they love that play with Marner passing it to the slot on the power play, too. So I'm sure True. that would even drive it even higher if also, it was all strengths. you know, with Marner being first in slot passes and Tavares has all these chance numbers. There's a, there's a correlation, yeah. I would say. <laughs> you know, there's like, a correlation, I'm sure would if say. Kipper would hear, he would note yeah. that a lot of Tavares' uh, numbers are, are aided there. That's So, God, that's such an important thing. Yeah. To have a guy that Can puts it in the right spot. It. Well, and just like guys get open for a split second. Yeah. And Marner has to see it before other people do and, and get it to that spot, and he does. He does. There's so many times you're watching a game, and you're like, how did that thought even cross your mind? I know. Like, that thought should not have crossed your mind. The uh, So I mentioned four-check chances, and these, this isn't about the Leafs, so I just want to mention the top five in four-check four chances. Tavares is third. Mm-hmm. Tage Thompson, Zach Hyman, Jack Hughes, and Nathan McKinnon are the other ones in four-check chances. Zach Hyman, like Pasternak, in a lot of these categories – um, both players, Tavares and, and Matthews, are near the top in slot shots. They're fifth and sixth in the league. Um, can you name some of the players who would be involved in slot shots? In the league. In the league. McDavid. Number one, yeah. Yeah, no shock there. Yeah. Uh, Matthews. Yeah. Would be He's fifth. Sec- He's fifth. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. Jason Robertson? That's a good guess. No, but it's our boy, Zach Hyman. Oh, my God, Zach. It, it's Braden Point. Uh, you know, very good. It's, so these guys, they're going to play, so, is my point. So and, you're telling they either me hurt them or going to play them. It's McDavid, Matthews, Hyman, Point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. And I, then the last one. Okay. The last one is um, both Tavares and Matthews are in the top 15 in rebound chances, which, you know, a little surprising, but I guess they're involved in a lot of action. The, I wanted to give you the top five there is the most predictable other names. Mm-hmm. Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Anders Lee. Brady Kachuk, 
Zach Hyman. That's interesting. So it's like a completely different group. Yeah. Those are the guys that are standing in front of the nut, hoping to bang it in. There were some other stats that I had. Kerfoot is 35th in controlled exits, you know, so he brings the puck up the ice. (laughs) Michael Bunting is 7th in the NHL in inner slot shots under pressure. He's he's behind point. Who tracks that? He's ahead of um, point and Connor. Sorry, he's just behind Braden Point and Kyle Connor and just ahead of Ovechkin. Okay. So... All that sounds very fascinating to me. Thank you. Okay, I'm done. Can we just, I know I do this a lot, but can we just ha- talk about the improvement of Zach Hyman and the credit you have to give him? Yeah. Like, listen, hey, he has never stopped improving. He, he was a fan favorite here when he first started because of vintagely fan love, a hardworking guy, Yeah, understated, you know, played with good players, could bang a puck in. Honest effort every night. And people love that. Yeah. And I don't think he even had... Like, at the end of his lease career, he was a good player, but the conversation you couldn't pay him $5 million was because of, you know, they thought, he's oh, a grunt. you can he's, develop another kind yeah. of... He has turned himself into... He's a $10 million he's, guy. he's a borderline <laughs> elite guy. I know. And it's crazy. Like, and everyone made fun of last year. Like, oh, yeah, it's like Zach Hyman on Team Canada. If you're talking about all these advanced stats, he, it might actually be a thing. It's almost a no-brainer for me. So my two Zach Hyman stories that I'll make... Come on in, Ben. Get him, Ben, in here. My, my two quick Zach Hyman stories, which I've told several times, are that when I was with the Marlies, whether he played good, played bad, whatever, he wanted to watch himself play on the bus. Most players only want to watch themselves when they're scored, but he, yeah. would, wa- he would go through all his shifts when he sucked. Yeah. Uh, and the very first day I was ever with the Marlies... They do a drill at the very end, last puck, where the goalie just stops the puck yeah. and the whole team's there until someone puts it in the net. Wow. Zach Hyman wrapped the puck around the net into the goalie's pad, and they stuffed it into the pad, and they stuffed it into the pad, and then he stuffed it into the pad. And I looked over at Dubas, and he's like, yeah, we're working on it. Like, he was like, <laughs> you know, like he had not, hits. Like not a well-rounded uh, offensive yeah. game, and now he's, now he's elite. Zach Hi, Hyman. What's up, dudes? Nothing. We're, we're joined by Ben Ennis of Fan Drive Time Show. Thanks for joining us, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me in here. Um, yeah, I'm not all dressed up, and I didn't shave this morning. But what am I? Okay. Do you usually? Well, I, I trim the beard, uh, and it definitely needs a trim. I would say I, I I I look a little more disheveled than I'd like to look in a in a in a, in a, in a visual medium. Good good news. No one watches. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I brought you in here because you are doing an incredible Canadian thing. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for thanks, this, Ben. Buddy. So, how is the outdoor rink going? Oh, horribly. What are we talking about dimensions? Like, really big. Really? W- way too big. <laughs> <laughs> way... So is it in a park? Yes, it is. So, yeah, we just moved to to a house in Burlington. I used to live in a semi-detached house in Oakville. Yeah. And I, I built an outdoor rink in the backyard there. That was tiny. Yes. And that was, I. it was more difficult than I realized. But, yeah, um, you amplify that by, like, a factor of three. And it's, yeah, the, the, the difficulty is... <laughs> Uh, also get multiplied. So yeah, no, it's we our house backs onto a park. Yes. So I, I, you know, trying to be the good neighbor, mm-hmm. volunteered to do this, and they they frame out the the rink. Yeah. The the city does. Oh yeah. They did. Yeah, it for yeah. You. They framed it out. They they put the wood down. Wow. Which is okay. You guys are acting like that's a big deal, and I I suppose it is. It's not the biggest deal. <laughs> The biggest deal is putting the water in the stupid thing, right? Absolutely. So do you use like a fire hydrant? What happens here? Use a, a I use garden a garden hose, hose. <laughs> coming out of my house, and 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 not out of the side of my house, right? Because it's too cold to, to run your your 
you know, your normal spigot where you where you get water in You're the just summer. Hooked up from your kitchen sink? Well, from my my laundry sink, yeah, which is in the basement, which means that I have to keep the door like somewhat open, and it's like <laughs> minus ten degrees outside. Oh my God. And my family's trying to live, and my wife works from home. Oh my God. My wife would kill me. So this whole process started on Sunday, right? Yeah. So, and, and the neighbors were super helpful on yeah. Sunday because uh, there was snow, and I, w- I, I had heard that you want to keep the snow below the liner, yes. but it was too lumpy. So we, I, I got a snowblower. One of my neighbors has one, and we, we scooped all that out and laid the liner down. Now, the liner wasn't big enough to cover the whole thing, uh, so we cut some of it off and, like, place it on top, <laughs> which is, like, in hindsight was a mistake. <laughs> And and today I had to go to Home Depot and pick up. You you guys have all seen that commercial where the, I don't know who the guy is. The, the spokesman guy is like slaps the tape on the oh, yeah, on yeah. the the thing with the water. Right. I got that tape today, which is also very expensive. Flex tape. Flex tape. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's actually like a popular flex meme. Seal. Flex yeah. seal. Like, like yes. it's like fixing something. <laughs> it yes. might be the generic equivalent to that. But anyways, so that's um. I started filling this thing on Sunday. Things were looking good. Yeah. yeah. It's cold. It was it it was cold. It is cold. Getting colder. Freezing yeah. cold. Except that I I noticed like the last couple of days filling this thing. Like I'm not seeing as much progress as I did the the first couple of days, and that's because I think the water is now it's it's running out the side of 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 the rink where there's a, there's a some rink builders listening, being like, "What are you no, doing? No, it's a nightmare. No, I'm horrible. And so now I have to. Tonight, when I get home at 8 o'clock, after I, you know, eat dinner for five minutes, <laughs> go out in the cold and the dark and and dig up, like, the ice where the, the tarps meet or, oh or overlapped and tape it tape it up so, with some, some heavy-duty tape that I'm told, like, the guy at Home Depot was like, don't touch that with your fingers because it's like oh, really? super glue. Like, it's, yeah. it's really intense. So... I, my, fingers crossed still. Like, and I was realistic when I told my kids when to expect this thing. Yeah. Which was still hoping. Next winter? <laughs> still hoping for the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, you, been a, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been a mission. Do you have regrets taking this on? Well, sure. Like, for, well, for the record, you know, I've seen people do it without the tarp underneath. Is yeah. it a necessity? I've, I've heard that, too. And one of my neighbors who used to do this, like, uh, generations ago, 15 years ago, said that's what they did. They just, you know, dug out a hole and poured water in it, which <laughs> makes no sense <laughs> to me. Which may, or dug a hole out of the snow, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh. But it makes no sense to me because my water that is moving, like, when, when water is, it doesn't matter how cold it is. When water is moving, it, it doesn't freeze. Yeah, it's got to be <laughs> still. Okay? So... This, and this leak is very slow, but still, uh, it is moving water, and it is penetrating through the snow, through the ice. There's probably a buildup of ice. Oh yeah! Then. Oh, buddy, is there ever? <laughs> uh, yeah, the hose is not running now. When I get home tonight at eight o'clock, oh yeah, it's going to be a nice little rink outside the rink, yeah. which is also fun to maneuver again. You're hundred percent coming in here in a sling tomorrow. Those hands are just gonna be frostbitten, covered in super glue. It's very possible. I, I really will say though, Ben, I'm and I'm being honest here. Uh huh. This is a very admirable thing you've done. Uh, thanks, no, buddy. no, like like I'm true, and I know Bunk has had you on his show, is making yeah, fun of you for being a cheap bowl or whatever. But I'm not here to do that thanks. because there's in the park by my place. It's a neighborhood thing, and they do it in the baseball diamond, and it's. A group of people from the neighborhood yeah. that do it, and it's this beautiful thing in the community. In my if experience, you, that the succeed, city does it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like in Toronto, actually makes it a functional. Yeah, they yeah. do it. But yeah. in Toronto, there's 
a bunch of just like sick outdoor hockey rinks and places to skate that are like city run. So maybe they don't have that in Burlington as much. No. And if you (laughs) pull this off, (laughs) you are going to be, hey, you're working hard on it. So you're going to be a neighborhood hero. I will say, so uh, where I live, there is like a group of dads with a Facebook page and, you know, they're called the Ice Masters. It's it's been around so long. The road is called Ice Masters Lane. Seriously? (laughs) Yes. And there's two rinks. There's a rink with boards and there's a same rink that you're talking about with just the like two by fours. Yeah. But there's a fire hydrant and like a fire hose, I think. And they just like. How do they do that? That seems illegal probably is. <laughs> I, 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 probably, I probably just ruined a bunch of people's day. I don't know. To be honest, I think I'm supposed to get involved. Uh, well, thank you for coming in and sharing that story I with us. I am rooting for you wholeheartedly, and I appreciate the grind. Yes. But I'm just and saying your kids that. will, too, one yes. day. Yeah, absolutely. If I get it figured Assuming out, you guys you got to combine for a twirl. I, I absolutely will do that. That'd yeah. be awesome. All right, All right. Bye, boy. Love you, bud. Thank you to everyone. We will be back tomorrow. We'll see if Kipper's here. No one knows. See you tomorrow.